It is the start for a Friday on 680 CJOB. Mackling McNabb with you. McGarry returns on Monday. It is also Blue Bomber Game Day. Our coverage throughout the day. Pre-game at 6, play-by-play at 8. DT, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, joins us following Sarah McCarthy's Global News at 9.30 to set things up. Wanted to give Derek a little bit of a sleep in. It's a long day for him out in Calgary. 8.35 Calgary time, 9.35 Winnipeg time. We will set things up. And in the words of Clay Young, Loren, pigs do fly. Yeah. The Edmonton Elks. We're watching, uh, looking at some highlights this morning, and we're both, did they win this game? Because it's been, what, how many losses in a row? They were winless until last night. That's right. They were 0-9. So, nine. nine. Yeah. Tough to be an Edmonton Elks fan these days. Might be tougher to be a Hamilton Tiger Cats fan this if you, morning. Well, <laughs> who wants to be the team that goes down for the first uh-huh. time? It was bound to happen. It had to happen. Sure. At some point, it was going to happen. 24-10 Edmonton over Hamilton. So a big win. I don't know if they're celebrating in the streets uh, of Edmonton today. I, I guess they are not, uh, but... A little bit of a weight off the back of the Edmonton Elks. Uh, That's the fun stuff. We've got some other fun stuff throughout the day. We've got some winning. We've got some contest announcements in terms of winners of things that we've been doing online. We also have your opportunity to go to Rainbow Stage, which opened last night, The Little Mermaid. We've got Crash Test Dummies tickets to give away, but decidedly tense times in a couple of communities west and north of us. Yeah, so we learned overnight. We'll get more into this in our next segment, but uh, the community of West Kelowna, they were talking about the fire potentially sort of jumping the north side of that lake there. And so there's a number of people on evacuation alerts and then some people who have also already been evacuated due to fires. You've got that mass evacuation underway in Yellowknife. And then all those communities in Alberta, so many are now going to be on the receiving end of evacuees. You know, you had Fort McMurray saying it would take in anyone from Hay River and now Edmonton and places around Calgary. If you can get down there, they're, they're working to find spots for everybody, but 20,000 are supposed to be out by noon today in Yellowknife. And so it's, uh, you know, it's harrowing times. And, and I'm speaking with someone who knows people up there last night and just sort of the panic underway to get, to make sure your employees get out or, you know, pets again was on the radar for others. And so it's just a stressful, like the stress, at least they have the warning and they had a couple days to prepare. Whereas Kelowna, it sounded like last night that was suddenly boom, you should go. Just about 5,000 people uh, being evacuated on the west side of Lake Okanagan. Uh, One of my best friends lives in Vernon, sent me video last night. He could see the smoke about 50 kilometers north of Kelowna from where he lives, sent video of that. That plume of smoke, very evident in his video. A very dark black plume of smoke over Osborne Village last night, Loren, as 221 Stradbrook, a 18-story, 17-story apartment building. One of the newer apartment buildings in the city had a fire there last night. Yeah, and the pictures are kind of, you know, it it's, would have been shocking to see because when you see that smoke bursting from the top of a building, you have all sorts of wild thoughts in your head about what's going on and concern. And you could see it from everywhere because of its height, right? And so firefighters said they got there and they got upstairs. They were able to get to the rooftop and put out the fire fairly quickly. They're not sure what caused that blaze, but that would have been a lot to see. A, a lot of our... Colleagues were posting images in one of our group chats just because they could see it from various points right across the city. And so uh, if you live there, nobody, anyone who does, let us know what that was like. Because I also we also have talked before about all of us have lived in high rises at some point and the alarm will go off. And you, too often you just think, uh, 
I'm not going. It's no big deal. It's a kitchen smoke or third it's, time or in it's a month. Third, or sometimes it's just humidity and the sensors. And there was all these reasons you wouldn't go. And then you see that last night and you think that's why you're supposed to, I mean, duh, but pay attention and get out. I was golfing uh, yesterday in a tournament, golf tournament out at Breezy Bend. I took the perimeter home. So I took the west and north perimeter and I couldn't see the skyline because of the forest fire smoke. So I suspect I would have seen the smoke from that fire had I been able to see the skyline around six o'clock yesterday. But I was oblivious to that and several other things, including the possibility of a strike at MPI. What a summer of strikes when you stop and think about it. And of course, we have our situation in Manitoba right now with liquor and lotteries workers striking. And we've had other groups come and go with the strike over the year. But you think, you know, there's grocery store workers who are striking in Ontario, the writers striking in Hollywood. You had that massive federal strike. It's a, there's a lot of labor concerns out there right now. And so we're going to speak to its MGEU, the Government Employees Union. We'll come on at 7.50 to talk about what's going on because MPI workers, 1,700 plus, voted overwhelmingly, according to the union, to strike. And so what does that look like? What does that mean? What could that mean for you if you're looking to access anything at MPI? There's no action yet, so it's possible that this could be averted with some sort of negotiations. But given that there was what sounds like minimal negotiations for, with liquor and lotteries employees, you just wonder where that's going to go. You made an observation the other day with regard to liquor and lotteries, MBLL, and uh, the independence, and we'll put that in quotation marks, that those crown corporations are supposed to have in terms of of business dealings overall. And you asked the question about, uh, is there some government interference here? Well, based on reports that we've received, 2% is the magic number and the offer from MBLL, MPI, also offering a 2% raise. Find that interesting. Same offer and now maybe the same action might result. So we'll get more into that at 7.50. We also have a story about family doctors. Do you have a family doctor? Have you recently acquired or connected with a family doctor? We know there's been a chronic shortage, maybe now more than ever. And Loren, Canadians are sort of giving up on the idea they're not very optimistic about the future of our healthcare system overall. And a lot of that is based on the fact that a good chunk of Canadians don't have a family doctor and forget, right now. Even if they do, it's not really about, it's about not having one, but also the idea that even if you do, the reason why so many of us turn to walk-in clinics or ERs or urgent cares is because when you do phone your family doctor and you're not feeling well today, say Friday, they say, can you come in Monday? Right. Your next appointment's Tuesday or Wednesday. And you think, well, I'm sick today. I want this looked at today. And that's not happening because the doctors are so busy. So this is part of the email I sent out to the crew. Uh, oh, about an hour ago. You may have pronounced uh, mispronounced names over the years or Perhaps you have a name that people have a hard time with. About 10 years ago, we had a new neighbor move in. I met him in the fall, all winter. I referred to him as Peter in my house. So that's what my wife and my kids all thought his name was. <laughs> my wife was out in the backyard talking to his mother-in-law, and she talked about this Kenny person. And my wife said, who's Kenny? <laughs> Kenny's your neighbor, <laughs> not Peter. So Kenny, if you're listening this morning, as you know, we called you Peter affectionately for six months. And once in a while, 
We still do. Those don't even sound the same. No, though. I, I get like screw, like so. I, uh, when our neighbor moved in, he heard, I heard, uh, robbed as opposed to rob, and mm. so I put him in my phone as Rob D because I wasn't sure. And so it was of, Rob or Rod. Yeah. You weren't sure. So that's close. Yeah, and I mean we're great friends now, yeah. so we figured it all out. But yeah. Rob was how we went with that. Those sound the same, Peter and Kenny. He's he's from Newfoundland. He's got an accent. Now, Peter and Kenny with any accent and still I don't doesn't really sound pay very much very attention sometimes. <laughs> so it was all on me. It was all on me. Not on his accent. It was on my ears and my poor hearing. So we're going to have a conversation around names, around words that you've been mispronouncing, names that have been mispronounced. You know where we're going with this. Let's start with you, Sarah McCarthy, since you're so eager to jump all over me <laughs> no. for my my lack of ability to discern right. the difference She's right between... to do that. Oh, They're come on, Loren. Even close. It's come on, not it's like Friday. It Be kind. Kenny or Spenny or something like that. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> Mine was a few years back when I first started in radio. I was more just like an event reporter and I must have been at a winter festival or something. And I was just doing like a hit on the weather and just like what people could expect when they were going to come to this winter festival. And I said, yeah, and the windshield, it's not too bad today. Windshield. 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 (laughs) Got a a call right away from my boss. I was like 15, 14, like give the kid a break, I guess. But he was like, Sarah. It's wind chill. It's wind chill. Thought my whole life it was wind shield. And I've heard people, I've heard that as a common yeah, one. Yeah, you grew up in Ontario, though. It's a car, though. <laughs> it's a wind shield. But doesn't it make sense that it, it might does. be wind shield? Like it's shielding It makes no sense. No. Wind shear, maybe? <laughs> I think it, I hear you, Sarah. Yeah, the, the, thank the, you. The wind is, what is the wind shielding? I don't, yeah. The, no, uh, you need it to be, uh, uh, you have to shield yourself from the wind at a factor of X degrees. Okay. <laughs> it made wow. sense at the time. Wow. You guys are tasty pretzels right now, <laughs> twisting yeah. yourselves I'm team Sarah this morning. <laughs> Clearly. Greg's wrong, Sarah's right. <laughs> no trying to be right. Cat Poitras, what about you? I, I've known people that were named uh, Craig that just went as Greg because nobody could ever get it I right wrong. I had an aunt who called me Craig for 18 <laughs> years. Yeah, I never so, corrected her. It wasn't worth well, that argument. Worth, you just have to answer to it. Uh, there was a guy that I knew when I was younger, and I swear that his name was Josh. But I constantly was told it was Zach, but I think everybody was messing with me because this guy looked like a Josh. He he expressed himself as a Josh. Mm-hmm. He walked around as a Josh. He spoke like a Josh. His name was Josh, but his name apparently, <laughs> according to his mother, was Zach. <laughs> but I'm telling you, his name wasn't Zach. It was Josh. Was he always just joshing around? Yeah, it was a whole thing. Like listen, Just joshing, yeah? I couldn't so did get everybody it. call him Josh, or just you thought his name I, was Josh? I couldn't get over the fact that he was Josh. Like, to me, nope. he was Josh. No, nope. his name was Zach. Nope. But nope. I'm telling you right now, his name is not Zach. His name should have been Josh, because that guy's pushing some mega Josh energy around. <laughs> Confusing me all over the place. And there are people you meet where you think that name doesn't doesn't suit. work for you. Can we come up with something else? Yeah, yeah some, exactly. Some people called me Jeremy. I don't know where Jeremy came from. <laughs> and, well, That's no, kind of close, it, Jeremy Jeffrey. No, yeah. it, it happened a, a few times actually. Uh, my old property manager, like she would call me Jeremy every time she saw me. I was like, it, it's Jeff. She's like, I know that, but it just. She's like, you look like a Jeremy. I'm like, what? And I went to a party and somebody called me a Jeremy. So that's my alter ego. So if I ever do anything bad, just call me Jeremy. Jeremy Love that. Did yeah. Jeremy did it. But uh, that's not my, well, my story was going to be actually Loren's name. The first time I mispronounced <laughs> Loren's name, which was probably, was that like seven or eight years ago? I used to be working the afternoon with uh, Brett's. We would be, uh, we'd be producing the afternoon <laughs> show. 
And we did just, I get mad at you? Well, you know, I think you were a little bit snippy. <laughs> it's it's a curt response. See, I went to school with a Loren and a Lauren, and they both had their names spelt exactly the same way. So that was the world. How that I grew are we up to in. know that? Like, how are people to? It's really know your parents. It's actually your parents' yeah, fault. It really I, is. So, your Jeff, fault. first of all, with that story though, did, did you just call? Because you used to call the newsroom yeah. for hits, well, right? Yeah, it'd be the five twenty eight hit that yeah. we would do with Global, and uh, you'd be the anchor on there. So I'm, I'm phoning, and Brett, before I phoned, he said her name is Loren, not Lauren. So it's Loren. Don't get it wrong. <laughs> and so I had the intercom on, and I'm phoning Global, and you pick up. And I was like, hi, is Lauren there? And you're all like, uh, it's actually Loren, but yes, it's me. Hello. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, well, have, sorry, sorry, we'll, we'll have you up here right away. And I uh, put the phone on hold and I look at Brett and I was like, uh, you're disappointing me, aren't you? <laughs> he just shook his head and he looked down and I was like, yeah, you're disappointed. It's Shame. funny, actually, because Shame. I really, I really mean it. If I've told you my name and you keep getting it wrong. Mm. That's kind of frustrating. Yeah, but if someone's seen it for the first time or yeah. or they like, you know, you're just they call in to do interviews. I don't I don't get too upset about that. Mm-hmm. I think Brett sometimes goes to bat for me harder on my <laughs> name than I do. And I have a girlfriend who whenever someone hears it, she's like, come on, people. It's- okay, so what's like in 12 seconds? What is the origin of that? Why no. is it Loren? Why did your parents decide on that Pronunciation. I, think, I think there was a babysitter or someone whose name I, was I, I think Loren it sounds, sounds nicer than Lauren. But <laughs> thank you. Yes. But I have had people, I think it was when I when I switched to radio or just before that, would email and say, who does she think she is? One person. <sighs> what are what kind of parents does she have that they're so pretentious that pretentious. they would call her Loren instead of Lauren? And I thought, oh my God. That, pretentious? Yes. I have like such it's a, a snobby. <laughs> Like I have, I'm a snob. I have such a trouble saying Lauren now. Lauren. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's hard for me to say. And that was my grade six crush. That was her name. Lauren. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there's more wow. to this story. Share yours. <laughs> Lauren, are you out there? 780. <laughs> she lives in BC. 68. 68. Lauren, we're having this conversation about what's in a name and pronunciations and incorrect. Even... Understandings of what a person's name is. Our good friend Cam Poitras saying, "Yeah, we had a friend named uh, jo- Zach. Zach, but he looked like a Josh, so I called him J- <laughs> Josh. Uh, this might not be as uncommon as we imagined." This listener says, "I knew a guy who everyone called Fred. I found out a few years later his name was Darren. Apparently, when he started high school, they said he didn't look like a Darren but a Fred, and so he still goes by Fred to this day." There All you right. go. Sometimes yeah. you just got to embrace. The incorrectness. Send us your stories. 204-780-6868. We have tickets for Crash Test Dummies, December 21st, Club Regent Event Center, or, and, or, Rainbow Stage. Little Mermaid got underway last night at Rainbow Stage. We've got tickets for that as well. But we start this hour with what an incredible, an incredible story. Our next two guests have embarked on a journey of a lifetime to promote inclusivity, accessibility, and activity after injury. It's a testimony to the human spirit and determination. This is our colleague at Global News in Toronto, Susan Hay, in conversation with Kevin Mills. Take me back to 2009 and your trip to Cuba. Pretty far off the shore and a large wave picked me up and dumped me head first into the ocean floor. So I found myself immediately paralyzed and I was floating face down in the ocean. He was airlifted to Havana and eventually made his way back to Toronto. 
When I first got to Sunnybrook, the doctor told me that I would be lucky to shrug my shoulders, and I was diagnosed as a, a C4 complete level spinal cord injury. What was running through your mind? It was really hard to hear, and they were initially saying that I would be probably steering a power wheelchair with my head. Boy, the things that Kevin has been able to do in the years since are incredible. We welcome to the start Kevin Mills. Good morning, Kevin. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, we, we heard part of your story there in your conversation with Susan. 14 years ago, of course, took a very dramatic turn. But everything I've been reading about you over the last 24 hours, man, you have done so much. When did you decide to, to become an, an athlete? Marathons, half marathons, and now what you're doing. When did that decision get made? Well, um, I've always been an athlete, always been active. It was always part of my life. And uh, probably about a year after my injury, I decided I was going to uh, push a half marathon in my wheelchair. And that's kind of where it all started. Um, So I signed up for the Toronto Waterfront Half Marathon and uh, went into that, came dead last by a lot. but (laughs) And that just kind of started the journey. Also with us this morning, Nikki Davenport, registered kinesiologist and a neuro recovery trainer at Walk It Off Spinal Cord Recovery and Wellness Center. And Nikki, I assume that's where you met Kevin. How long have you and he been working together? We've been working together for five years. And then we started biking together after work. Once the pandemic hit, um, I got into biking. And when I got back to work, he was looking for someone to bike with after work. So we started kind of like a little cycling group and then it kind of flourished into this big project that we're enduring right now. Okay, so let's get to this project because we got this note in our newsroom. Uh, I think your mom has connections to Winnipeg, if I understand, Nikki. You're biking across Canada. Where do we find you right now, Kevin? Um, we are about 100 kilometers from Winnipeg. So we'll be going into Winnipeg tonight. And uh, yeah, we're just taking a day or two to get stuff uh organized and uh, repaired, and then we're off again. So uh, 100 kilometers to the west or to the east, Kev? Um, we are east of Winnipeg right now, so oh. we'll be, uh, we're heading to the west, to, to, to Fino, B.C. Okay, so how's the uh, wind been? How's the weather been? We've been <laughs> under these smoke advisories. How the conditions been the last few days for you? Well, we had one day where there was a lot of smoke, and I I must admit we were more tired after the day with the smoke. And then we've had two days of pretty strong wind, a headwind, which uh, definitely makes the the ride tougher. Um, Yeah, so 100 kilometers feels a bit more than normal. Nikki, what, you know, we, there's, it's one thing to hop on a, a bike and, and, and do the half marathon or the full marathon, but I've done neither of those things. Both of them still sound incredibly difficult to me, but there's, a, there's something more I think must be mentally taxing about day after day getting it up. So what's, what's driving you both to do this right now? Um, I think we, we like the challenge of it every day. We get to see so much from our bike. And to see the impact that this trip is having on the community and the, the surrounding people. When we go to campsites, people are so touched by Kevin's story and they want to know more. They want to follow along. They want to support. So it's really uplifting. Like we have to complete it, not just for us, but for everyone to show that like you can do this able-bodied or with a disability. Kevin, what's it like to share your story over and over again? Is it therapeutic? Is it, is it exhausting? A little bit of both? Um, you know what? It's it's actually very therapeutic. Like, uh, you know, before telling my story about getting injured was kind of hard, but um, 
again, like Nikki said, people's reaction and just being so enthusiastic and positive, uh, it it just kind of it, it makes the whole thing better and uplifting. Before we let you go, Kevin, tell us about the bike. How does that work? Um, so it cl- clips directly into my manual wheelchair, um, and I uh, I'm cranking the whole time, and um, I don't have hand function. Uh, or full arm function, so my uh, hands lock in, uh, like with my wrists, and then I pull back to brake, and uh, yeah, I'm just cranking along on my wheelchair. I, I, I'm going to feel guilty the next time I decide I do not want to do a workout because I'm too <laughs> tired. This is amazing stuff, Nikki. Before we let you run here, talk about how people can get involved and and really quick this uh, relationship with with Kevin because it's special. I always talk about who's on my bus and and who's in my corner. This is a special friendship, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's wonderful. Um, well, we, we share the not-for-profit peddling possibilities, so everyone can follow us along. We're really, um, we're really big on social media right now. We post every single day so everyone can see where we start, where we're going, um, where our plan is for the rest of the week. And then you can help support the ride. Our ride is funded by donations to get us across the country. So if you want to go to our website, www.peddlingpossibilities.ca, you can donate, you can track us. And even just the idea of sharing our content is a big help as well. Nikki, thank you for this. We appreciate you very much. Nikki Davenport, registered kinesiologist, and Kevin Mills. They are riding across Canada in an effort to raise awareness for spinal cord recovery and spinal cord injury. We appreciate you both very much. Thanks for making time for us on this incredible journey. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, get out there, get active. Right on. It. Very good. You can, you can go to their, that website too and track them. Peddlingpossibilities.ca. I can see right where Kevin is right now near the Whitemouth River. So heading into Winnipeg today. It's quite a beautiful day as it turned out yesterday. Yes, there was some smoke. Uh, the wind wasn't nearly what it was on Wednesday. More wind later on today. Haven't been outside since, I don't know. Four o'clock this morning. I don't know what it's like out now. Let us know. Looks pretty nice from up here. 204-780-6868. But of course, things very different in two very important communities in our country up in the Northwest Territories. Yellowknife. Noon today is the deadline to evacuate. And then in the interior of British Columbia, Kelowna, B.C., a place that many of us have connections to. West Kelowna, fires burning there, and there's also fire burning on the east side of Lake Okanagan, north of Kelowna, near the airport. And so, Loren, we're working feverishly, working hard to try and connect with with somebody in that community to give us a first-hand account of what's going on on the ground there. Yeah, so the thing that's so frustrating about the situation in Kelowna for people and and scary is just the way that fire's moving and it's like it's doing a dance. It's like watching, you know, from the pictures being told, it's like watching the Aurora Borealis, how it moves around and goes up and down and west and east and north and it's it's all over the place. And so they warned last night that they were in for a really uh, difficult situation or difficult evening and so we're waiting to see if the fire picture there has changed because as you mentioned, already thousands uh, have been evacuated and you know we look at those pictures and we think oh my gosh I would be on the run if that was anywhere like if I could see the glowing fire reflected on the lake like so many are seen out there you'd be like I'm going um 
but then there's degrees to which you just make that decision to leave. And when you're leaving your house behind to basically fall to that fire, that's part of it, right? Like, are you really going to do that? And in Yellowknife, I know I was reading this morning, there are residents that are choosing to stay. And there the difference is the fire at last count was, I think, 13 or 14 kilometers away, but still moving towards Yellowknife. But it feels like they have that pause where they can still breathe a little bit. And so you might be thinking, I'm not going. Much the same way some some Manitobans in flood zones say, no, no, I'm going to stay and fight this flood. But I don't know when a fire is raging like that, how you stay and fight that. Well, joining us now, Mason Dipete. Am I saying that right, Mason, on the fly here? Yeah, Dipete, as French as you want to go. Dipete, well, you're in Manitoba, or at least speaking to a Manitoba-based radio station. So we might have a little bit more of, a, of an affection for uh, getting it as close to French as possible. We appreciate you making some time for us. Uh, Mason is in Alberta, where thousands are being evacuated to from the Northwest Territories. Uh, tell us uh, what you're seeing and, and what your role in, is in that, Mason. Yeah, so I've been in central Alberta seeing the evacuees come down. I'm in the small town of Valley View. So far this morning, I've seen four or five cars from the Northwest Territories arrive at the reception center before it's even open. I know my hotel's parking lot was filled with the polar bear plates as well. The municipalities around here got the call for help late Wednesday night. They spent Thursday morning scrambling an all-hands-on-deck situation to prepare for the evacuees. And then a slow and steady trickle started yesterday afternoon. Uh, they're expecting a lot more to arrive today. So are, is, what's the situation in terms of how the evacuees are being cared for, where they'll go? You mentioned that evacuation center. Are they then going out to hotels or apartments or, or, or homes? How's it working, Mason? Yeah, that's right. So in many places, they'll first check in at the reception center and then they'll find them accommodations in a hotel. Right now where I'm at in central Alberta, some of them are just using these reception centers as a place to stop on the very long drive, stretch their legs, use the washroom, get some food before going down to the Calgary, Edmonton, Leduc area. Others are choosing to stay in these smaller communities with hotels. What's the length of the drive, do you know, from from Yellowknife to where you are? So I believe it's about a 13-hour drive usually, but uh, I know there's some challenging conditions. Uh, there, uh, evacuees I talked with yesterday are describing smoke and fire on the side of highway. I know there's long lineup for gasoline on the way, so it's even longer than that sometimes. Mason, we were having this conversation about the idea of of living with certain things based on where you live in Canada. We're used to, you know, flooding in this part of the world. Uh, once in a while, we will get a tornado warning. Just talk about the the resilience of these people who, you know, forest fire is a fact of life in, in much of rural Canada, in particular in the north. That this is this is something that they've not had to do before, according to a lot of the stories I've been hearing and reading. Yellowknife is often the destination for those in more remote communities where they get evacuated to. So this is a little bit of a reversal of role for the for the twenty thousand or so called Yellowknife home. Yeah, I've heard that word unprecedented a lot this wildfire season. Uh, a Fox Creek, which is about an hour south of where I am, a small town, they were evacuated for 19 days earlier this May. They're now hosting the Yellowknife evacuees. They see this as a way to pay for the hospitality they received when they were displaced. 
For example, they were making home-cooked meals for the evacuees. It was burgers and hot dogs last night just to try and make them feel more comfortable. The city of Whitecourt, also in this area, they've hosted evacuees several times already this year. The mayor says they've never had to do that before, but they're happy to do it and ready for it. Mason, thank you for the time and for what you're doing and painting that picture. You know, we were talking this morning about the fact that we're used to floods, for example, as Greg said, and there's a resilience in the communities that deal with that year after year. And clearly where you are, there's that resilience, too, because of uh, not accustomed to, but having had dealt with so many fires over the years. Yes, there really is. Thank you, Mason. We appreciate it. That's Global News reporter Mason Depetit in uh, Valley View, I believe it was, Alberta, just uh, waiting and watching uh, thousands of evacuees making their way south from Yellowknife, a 13-hour drive typically. But man, how exhausting would that be on a good day, let alone when you've just probably not slept in days? And never mind uh, the concern about what sort of what sort of uh, provisions, what sort of supplies would be available along the way? I, I, I can think back to Hurricane Katrina and uh, and uh, some of the other hurricanes in the United States South where you see these freeways jam-packed bumper to bumper, people trying to evacuate, and then they have to bring out the gasoline tankers in order to help refill people's vehicles because you have to keep your car running because it's 34 35 36 degrees your car's running so you have air conditioning and uh, electricity and and everything power in your vehicle so uh, that has to be incredibly nerve-wracking my sister got out of hay river ahead of this mass evacuation they they left based on the advice of my sister's husband's boss and and i was texting with my sister the other day and she said Greg, like they had gas where Chris works. And so we were able to fill up our tank. She says, if we would have waited another hour, we definitely wouldn't have got out in our vehicle. We would have been waiting for those aircraft to get out. Like the timing of these decisions is critical as well. And sometimes you're not waiting for public officials to say, now it's time to get out. Sometimes you got to trust your gut. Yeah, you just have to go because if you're in Kelowna this morning and some of those communities that are being evacuated, the notice that comes to you is stop what you're doing, leave now. And that's how quick you have to be prepared to go. Whether you heed that warning or not, I mean, I suppose it's all up to you, but this will be part of the scene. They're heading into a pretty scary weekend, I think, in BC, and we'll wait and see what happens in Yellowknife. This is the start. Clay Young, not Bob Irving, joining us, Jeff Forche. Is this a little Shania Twain? This is a little Shania Twain. Do you like Shania Twain, Clay? I don't mind her at all. Oh, hold on a sec. I've got to turn on your microphone. No, is this, is I figured the, you would know. Are all this Didn't you work in here for all, years? No, are all the technical sta- snafus going to carry over to this part of... <laughs> I just had one of those days on, on, the, on the TV end of things. I walk in here and I... Oh, I'm supposed to turn on the mic. Well, we figured you knew how to do that. My mic was falling off my tie continually. (laughs) The director said, your mic mic just fell into your lap there. (laughs) Picking it up and trying to put it back on and falls back off again. It was just a... One of those days? One of those days. You may confuse the next seven minutes with a, a, like a a decompression or would we call it a sort of a... A session, like a like a 
session. Uh, uh, the, the word I'm looking for is escaping me right now. Like a, a session, that you, like a counseling session. Like a therapy yes. session. A therapy yes. session. Ah, there we go. Well, can I say one thing? No, in a minute. In a minute. In a minute. Okay. Turns Loren McNabb, Greg Mackling, it is the start. We are winding down our week, and I don't know about you, Loren, but the week after long weekend just feels so long, and you've been on holiday, so I can only imagine how long this week has felt. But Christmas holidays... I know that in our house we get these flowers. Mm-hmm. They're red, mm-hmm. and and I think everybody I know says poinsettia. Poinsettia. I literally just texted a listener now saying, "I don't know if I knew this because their beef on words that are mispronounced is poinsettia. Poinsettia, not poinsettia. There's no there's, there's no t n- in no the first t. And I don't know if I knew that." Pronounced. I didn't know Clay? that. Did you say, said I've been saying poinsettia yeah. for 46 years. I probably yeah. wasn't saying it when I was one, but you know what I mean. So poinsettia. you're identifying with this this morning because everywhere you go, people are asking you, what's the name of the blue bar uh, quarterback It's just again? never going to stop, is it? Okay, so I was, uh, I was reading a bomber script because they're <laughs> playing in Calgary tonight, right? And I said, uh, I don't know what came out of my mouth. <laughs> I am sort of struggling with an infection in my jaw, but it was Zach Lalaurus. And I <laughs> apparently a lot of people heard that. And one of our head engineers says, I'm coming in here. Hey, hey, what's the name of the bomber quarterback again? Oh, oh you stop. Then I sit down and one of our photographers apparently asked Clay, what's the name of Zach Lalaurus? <laughs> but I, do you think I could say it a little while ago? Zach Lalaurus. It's like it sounded like is that man drunk on the air? <laughs> well, Clay, I think we've had this discussion when you first made the move back to television after this wonderful time you spent with us in radio. The difference when you do make a little bit of a mistake. We're on the air for 4 hours. We stumble over words, we take a moment, we'll correct ourselves or maybe just move on. In television, is there a little bit of a different a different uh, mo when it comes to mispronouncing names. Do you just kind of move on? I, no, I think it, I think because it's visual for the viewer, it, it just sticks in their brain more because they're actually seeing you boot it and how you <laughs> react to that too, right. right? Like you're trying to just not turn I just, red. I just, just trying to move off. on, right? But part of you wants off. to throw your head down on the I table. I thought about <laughs> correcting myself, and I have done that in the past. I thought, okay, I'm going to stop. And then I tried again, and it's on radio, too. And I butcher it even worse. And so I think, okay, I'm just going to leave this alone. In other news, <laughs> just move on like, like maybe it never happened. Yeah, yeah. But can I say the one thing you here? You say lots so, of stuff. Say yeah, it all. So, so you know, I just, uh, I'm coming off of, well, you guys know what it is. So I'm, you do a four-hour show, right? So I'm coming off a three-hour show, and I'm sort of like, boy, anything that could go wrong would go wrong there, right? And when I was younger, I was I was a perfectionist, man. I wanted everything to go 100%. And I remember when I was younger, I would get upset. as like I'm, I'm angry at myself or angry with someone else for really screwing things up. This was a perfect show. This was a perfect cast. And it fell apart, and I go home, and I'm I'm moaning and groaning. Now, because I'm older, it just rides off me. Well, you're not, you know, it, when you make mistakes, like, 
you, you have to have a bit of that mentality like you did at the start of your career, because that's what drives you to improve and yeah. be better. And maybe now you're looking back with the wisdom that 90% of the time it's, it's good. And 10% of the time it might not be, yeah. but it's hard to see through that lens when you're tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. You know, shake it off, move on. Kolaros is not playing tonight anyway. So, no. well, how have, about a, this? have a, have a, have a memory like a goldfish. That's right. That's what Ted Lasso says. And I said, and he goes, "What do you mean we suck?" He said, "No, think like a goldfish. It's got a memory of ten seconds. Just forget about move it. Got to move on. Got to move on. Um, we can't move on though. Why? Even in our efforts to say the name of that Christmas flower correctly, it's not poinsettia. It's poinsettia. How do you know these things? One of our listeners. I, I, I know that's how it's spelled, and many of them don't even know how to pronounce it correctly. Here we go. Repeat after me. Poinsettia. Poinsettia? Poinsettia. That's right. Poinsettia. Do it again. Poinsettia. Dropping it, put it back. Not poinsettia. 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 I need somebody who works at a flower shop or nursery who delivers a lot of these poinsettias to tell me if they actually really do pronounce it So you think you know Wix, but do you really? First up, we've got shake video. Oh, I think that's me. See, thinking of... And speaking of technical glitches, Clay, we're going to let <laughs> you get out of here. Okay, I'm glad you. you didn't bring the boa constrictor down the hall today. Oh, that was. No, that it was, was not. Wait, you should have seen the look on his face. I had a boa constrictor wrapped, a live one wrapped around my neck and I tapped on the window. Get it away from me. <laughs> I use different words than that, Clay. Have a great weekend, Clay, man. Too, man. All right. Clay Young, he's been filling in for Gabrielle Marchand all week on Global News Morning. I think he's back reporting, which means we get to bring him on our show on a more regular basis. He's uh, one of the good guys in our business. Any opportunity to speak with Clay Young, we jump all over it. It's 913. As seven- Lorraine said, not yeah. Lorraine, Lorraine texted to yeah. say, Clay, we miss you. Let him talk, Lorraine. Because I tried to get you to turn his mic off. I hear you, Lorraine. I hear you. We're just going to jump right into this as we try and cover two bases at once. We're going to head to Kelowna, British Columbia, before heading to Calgary, Alberta. Miles Jones, a former Winnipegger who now calls the Okanagan home, joins us now. Miles, good morning, my friend. Good morning to you, Greg, and uh, rough morning for my so, fellow people out here in Kelowna, it's been an absolutely insane evening. Uh, I can only imagine. What side of the lake are you, Miles? Paint us a picture about where you are and tell us what the last 12, 16, 18 hours have been like for you and your family. Well, it's been incredibly challenging. We're, we're, we are not on evacuation notice. I'm south of downtown uh, by what's called Cairo Beach, and uh, we are okay. It's the north side of the city, uh, the Glenmore area, and uh, into the Clifton area, and down towards McKinley Beach that's uh, on this side of the lake, and unfortunately, all of the north side of, uh, of West Kelowna, which is where I you know, have uh, my business and a few other things as well. So it's, it's, it's quite challenging. And pictures were coming into us, and, and and I know you've you're seeing it live, and it had my jaw dropping just how close the fire was to so many things, and how it really lit up the sky last night. What do you see this morning when you look out your window now, Miles? Well, from my from my general direction, so I'm south facing north up the lake, mm-hmm. and all I can see is literally smoke north and clear skies above me. It's it, it's you know it, it's quite scary to be honest with you, and we're, it's quite challenging, obviously, with some of the changes 
to, to get information out, right? Because we, you know, this is, I think, one of the pieces that uh, is quite, quite, quite difficult from, from our sense. Sorry, I'm quite nervous. It's, it's, uh, it's been quite uh, challenging out here, obviously, for the last 16 hours. But with, with uh, you know, the, the ban on, on news from Facebook, I think this is one of the unintended pieces is we, we're not really getting a whole lot of information about it. So it's quite challenging. You have zero reason to apologize. I, I looked at those images myself and I thought, when does one make the decision to go regardless of what officials are saying? And you throw in that yeah. you throw in that possibility of the information flow not coming because of I noticed even in Yellowknife, for example, they had to spell out the website and tell people to go to the website rather than just yeah. post the link because of how Meta is cracking down on news on social media feeds and Facebook. So it's just what a terrible time for that to be happening, Miles. And so it's, it's a learning. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly, hopefully, hopefully there are people and officials and government officials are listening to this because this is it's causing chaos. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's how we it's how we consume news. Um, and it's been, you know, rightly or wrongly, I'm not getting into the politics of it, but the it is how we consume. It's how we go through this. And these are, this is a decision that clearly was not part of the mandate or, or, or thought process, because, you know, there are people who cannot and rely on those pieces to get their information. Sorry, this is incredibly emotional um, and it's hard. So the, the bottom line is like, that's not what this is about. People are safe for the general part here. And, uh, you know, as I look, like I said, as I, I can see what I'm looking at and, and staring at, and it's devastating because it's, you know, from a structural standpoint, nobody will update anything, but the West side certainly looks like there has to be significant structural issues over there based on the, the line of where you can see. I mean, uh, and for, you know, and you don't know if the embers have jumped the lake, but anyone who's been to Kelowna, you're talking about a massive, a, it, this is not a small lake. The Okanagan Lake is not a small lake. It's it's quite large. So for it to, for, for the winds that were needed last night, like we just hit a perfect storm and it is, it, it's tragic. And people are, you know, people are going to end up in very challenging situations in the next uh, day or two here when they find out what's going on. I don't know if you can... And- ever accurately tell someone what it's like to go through something like this miles but when you're dealing with this sort of situation this fast-moving situation how often in the last 12 hours have you wrestled with a should i go should i stay should i go check on my business like like those your mind must be just a whirl well yeah i mean on the home front it's you know, you're going to wait for the evacuation notice because you do also you don't want to be the people that are getting in the way of others who do need to, or been told that are desperately trying to evacuate, right? But also, we don't know unless we are refreshing. There's one local site that, that has been excellent, two or three local sites, I should be honest, that are good. But again, people don't necessarily know. They get there through Instagram, get there through the other pieces. So people don't know what they actually are. It's bizarre, but that's just, again, the system that we're in. And it's... Um, yeah, so it's finding out information, and you don't want to be the person that gets in the way of somebody who desperately needs to get out. So, for us, we will wait until until we're told to go. I think you know, I'm I'm able mind and able bodied. I don't want to get in anyone's way, and we will go if we have to. But it's uh, this is, you know, I've lived out here for the better part of almost eight years now, and it's uh, I've never seen anything like this. We've had we've dealt with fires, we've dealt with pieces that are close, uh, but this is, yeah, this is as, this is as hard as it is. Miles, because you're watching friends' places get, uh, you know, potentially burned down, right? Uh, Miles, uh, you know, I spent time in the Okanagan, and you get used to the smoke and the, and the alerts and the warnings and and being careful, you know, and and understanding that things can change on a moment's notice. 
try and help us understand before we let you run here, just how you manage that. Because these fires, they're a fact of life up and down the valley and around British Columbia. It's just something that you deal with. But when it's on your doorstep, it, it changes everything. Agreed. Yeah. And these, you know, it's like I said, in my, in my summers here, I, you, you, you do kind of get used to it, but this has been a decent, like, again, we'd we'd have very minimal issues this summer. And then all of a sudden within the last three days, like you said, um, things are popping up. Sorry, this was last week, this week here, you start to go, okay, well, what's next? And this is, this is as close as it can get. So, um, you know, Bear Creek is basically on the West side is four to five kilometers, you know, North of, of, of the city and north of the of where West Kelowna truly starts and that's where this is and so that's how close this is and it may even be closer by now and and so again you you, you just sit there and go t- timing like yeah, like Lauren asking what do you do next and it's you sit here you wait um, you know you take care of your key things you, you, we got those packed and ready and um, we'll go when we're told to go and then we'll, we'll listen to the authorities and, and go from there. But honestly, Greg, I, I'm a pretty even keel guy, as you know, and, and this has been, uh, this has been 16 hours that, uh, I have never experienced anything like it. Um, and I feel for the, for the people that this has affected and it feels far more real than any other situation I've, uh, I've been in from a personal standpoint in, in the sense that, you know, you feel so out of control and uh, that is n- never how anyone wants to feel. Well, you've got lots of friends, uh, people that love you here in Winnipeg. I'm on that list and uh, sending you love, support uh, to you and your family, Miles, and uh, please stay safe and we appreciate you putting this all into words for us. Okay, you guys take care. Thank you. Miles Jones joining us from the west side of Lake Okanagan and West Kelowna. That situation changing by the moment. Derek Taylor, are you there? I'm with you. Hey, DT. Uh, thanks for hanging tight there. Uh, obviously, Blue Bomber football, a big deal in these parts, but so are the fires in the Okanagan. Miles Jones, our last guest, you know, former Winnipegger. He's got hundreds and hundreds of people who uh, care about him and know him here in this community. It's uh, it's tough to see these parts of the, the country dealing with, with disasters like this. Yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, I'm here in Calgary and we're, we're getting some there's some, uh, what is it, an air quality statement that's existing, like we've had in Winnipeg, right? The smoke just hits parts of the country and you, it's not nearly the same, but you get your reminder that, oh boy, that's that's a big deal. If smoke is coming all the way down from the Northwest Territories or where I am, all the way from the interior of BC, you know, wow, this is, you get a small hit of, this is a real big deal. Just a reminder of what some other people might be going through. Yeah, for sure. But there is a football game to be played tonight, which is a big deal in these parts. Eight o'clock, Blue Bomber Stampeders, McMahon Stadium, University of Calgary campus. And uh, is it safe to say all eyes on Drew Brown tonight? 100%, right? Drew, it's his first start, second CFL start, but first one with the first team offense, right? He starts the game in BC last season. But the Bombers' playoff spot was already secured. They chose to rest a bunch of players, and and the Bombers end up losing that game. And they weren't – I mean, ultimately, right, they're not super bothered by whether they won or lost because they were hosting the West Final. This one is they are neck and neck with BC, and BC looks like a wagon. So, the, you know, they've got to – this has got to be full steam ahead with Drew. And he looked fantastic last week, 
but it was in relief and the Elks are not a real good football team last week. So there's some, there's some, you know, what, you know, at least a little bit of wonder of, can he do this against a team that's, that's a little better. And Calgary to me is a, is a little better than the Elks. So very excited to see him work tonight. Speaking of the Elks, we can't have a conversation with you. <laughs> we finished the Blue Bomber podcast uh, on Tuesday with uh, things are not very good in Alberta right now for the football team. Well, the Elks break their losing streak in Hamilton last night. Does that say more about the Elks or the Ticats? Well, the Ticats are not a good football team. And, you know, injuries are a problem as they are for many teams. They're on their third quarterback of the year. And their third quarterback versus, you know, the Elks' third quarterback, it wasn't really a matchup yesterday. Trey Ford and their new offensive coordinator, things seemed to to jibe for the Elks last night. And the Ticats, I mean, they established the heck out of the run, but uh, it was Edmonton that established the kneel down at the end because they were up two scores. So Hamilton is just, they're, they're, they're a troubled football team. And then they make weird decisions as well, like, oh, there's nine seconds left and a half. You know what? We should kick a field goal on second down because reasons. And you go, wow, it's... Hamilton's fallen a long way since since 2021. So uh, it was great for the Elks. It's great for the Elks to to not be you know zero and you know zero and nine anymore. Zero and ten, they didn't fall to. And and it's great to have them you know in the playoff chase in the West. Scarily enough, because the Stampeders ahead of them only have three wins, and they play back to back Labor Day in the rematch. So when you look at the match tonight, we're hoping that that's the only win for Alberta this week. So the Edmonton took the win and now Calgary playing against the Bombers tonight. What part of the Stampeders offense will be a concern for our defense? What are we looking for there? I think, I mean, the part you're, you're concerned about is their running game. And you're, you're concerned about it to a, to a certain limit. But between uh, Kadeem Carey and Diedrich Mills they, and that offensive line, they can run the football. Right, first play of the game in Winnipeg between the two. Diedrich Mills took the first carry of the game for 33 yards, and he went, "Oh boy, what's going on here?" And they were piling up yards, and I swore he'd get to 100 in the first half. But eventually, the Bombers went, "Hey, uh, you should be doing this, not this," and boom, it was done. And Calgary had no passing game to respond with, and that's kind of been their deal this season. Three times, Jake Mayer has thrown for under 150 yards in a CFL game which is an, it's a baffling number. So uh, hold down the run game, and I really don't believe that Calgary has much that their offense can punish you with. Derek Taylor, 6 o'clock, pregame 8 o'clock, just after 8 o'clock, kickoff from McMahon Stadium. Doug Brown, Derek Taylor, and uh, plenty of voices in the lead-up to the game. DT, thanks for this. We'll catch up with you later. Have a great call tonight, and uh, I can say it, go blue. Thanks, partner. There you go. Thanks for having me.